Turning your Bibles to a familiar passage, Matthew chapter 16. Familiar passage, Matthew chapter 16. I have been working on another sermon for this evening, and then... Earlier this week, I, I thought, you know, we're going to have a church business meeting. We're going to be looking at a budget for 2023. So it would be good for us to be reminded of what our church's mission is, what our goals are. And so I thought through a passage. I thought what passage helps us focus on what our goals are. And Matthew 16 came to mind. Let me read to you verses 16 through 19, and then I'm going to skip down and read 27, 23 through 27. By the way, what do you think is the most famous event, the most famous thing that happens here in Matthew chapter 16? Anyone? Quick scan, maybe of the chapter will remind you. The most famous thing that happens in this chapter. Got to be louder. Yes. Peter's confession, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus says to his disciples, who do people say I am? And he said, well, maybe some say this prophet. Some people say John the Baptist resurrected. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Son of God. That's We're going to look at part of that passage. Just pray, and then we'll look at it. Father, thank you for this evening, for an opportunity to gather as a church and sing these songs. And they, again, reminded me how great a God you are. How generous, how good, how many gifts you give to us, how you lavish us with your love, how you're so concerned about every detail of our lives, how you never leave us, we're never abandoned, your presence is always with us. Thank you, Father. We do love you. We love you because you first loved us, and we see that, especially this time of year, focusing on your gift, Jesus Christ. And so we thank you again. For giving us eternal life, for giving us forgiveness, most of all, for giving us your Son. We thank you that you give to us now the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, who guides us, who directs us, who encourages us. And we ask that you would meet with us tonight, that again you would take the truth of your word and point it as an arrow to a target right to our hearts and speak to us this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So follow along as I read verses 16 through 19. This is Matthew 16, verses 16 through 19. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus goes on to tell his disciples how he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And of course, Peter rebukes him in verse 22. Then go down to verse 23. But he, Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. 
For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. That's the passage we're going to look at tonight. And I'm going to ask you some questions, and I would like, I'll ask some rhetorical questions, but when I ask a question and I pause, that's your chance to answer. Kids, you're welcome to answer too if you have a good answer. Um, I should probably warn some of you, like, yeah, no, don't be silly. Okay, give me straight answers. Turn on your, your thinking uh, minds with me. Turn on your minds with me. Fire them up because I want you to think through this passage with me. It helps me year by year to just think, where has Elmira Church been? And how are we doing well? Okay, where do we need to reinforce and what, we, what do we need to do better? Where are we headed? What are, our, what are our goals? Sometimes I wish life was more like a railroad track and less like a network of roads. Because you know on a railroad track, this track out here really only goes two directions. You can either be going that way or you can be going that way. But on this network of roads, we can get on a road and turn left and turn left and turn right and turn right. You can go just about any way you want. And in fact, even just getting from here to, let's say, downtown Vacaville, there's a lot of different routes you could take. And I wish sometimes that life was simpler and God just said, okay, here's exactly what I want you to do. God does have a plan like that, but he, he expects us to search for it, to pay attention to it. It just doesn't come naturally. What comes naturally is what? Selfishness. Sinfulness. Self-centeredness, that's what comes naturally. So as I thought through 2022, this would have been about a year ago now, I had five priorities. I'm going to give them to you. And these are very similar to what we want to focus on tonight in 2023. The first priority I have as a pastor is I'm leading this flock, as I'm responsible for teaching, as I'm responsible for preaching, as I'm encouraging you. The first um, goal that I had, and I wrote this down, was to develop Holy Spirit-filled Holy Spirit-led Christians. And I told you before, the reason is, I can't always be with you. I, I can't, even if I were always with you, I wouldn't always know what you would do. But the Holy Spirit who lives in your heart and goes everywhere with you, he knows exactly what he wants you to do. And if I can get you just to respond to the Holy Spirit, and to be led by the Holy Spirit, that is a primary part of my job. Now, I'll be frank, sometimes the Holy Spirit leads you in ways that don't make me very happy. I remember when Andrew came to me, Andrew Harder, and said, I believe God's leading us to Indiana. And I felt like saying, no, he's not. <laughs> Connie and I know this is wrong. No, we, we, Connie and I had talked about it. You know, I really wanted Andrew and Courtney to stay here. That's what I wanted. But I also wanted him, and as we talked, I wanted him to respond to the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for each one of you. Yeah. Number two. I want us, all of us, to develop a love for God's Word. That's why much of the preaching this year has been on the power of the Bible, to develop a love for God's Word so that you read it because you want to read it. Not because you're being forced to, not because we're having a program and if you read it enough times, enough chapters, you get a prize or, you know, we're going to have a list on the wall and whoever gets out furthest is the winner. It's not a competition. It's love for God's Word that drives us to His Word. Number three, to develop Christians who love people 
And because we love people, we're excited to tell them about our Savior. Soul winning, a desire to share the gospel, should grow out of our love for God and our love for people. Again, it shouldn't be something you're driven to do because you've got to fill out a form. It's something you ought to do because you love people and they're going to hell. It's real. And we have the answer. Number four, this one is one that I want to do better on in 2023. Number four, to develop men who are leaders in their homes, leaders in their church, and leaders in their community. To develop men who are leaders. Because the Word of God says that God created the male and female, we have men in this church and we have women. And God has given us different roles to play, different path to run on, a different track to run on, if you will. And my race is going to be different than my wife's race. And when I get to heaven, God's going to have a different set of questions for me than he has for her. And I'm, we, we just need to be honest about that because a lot of times men, what we want to do is we want to ride the coattails of our wives' spirituality. For some reason, it just seems easier for women to be more God-focused than for men. There could be a lot of reasons for that, but that, that's not acceptable. I need to have my own relationship with God. Men, you need to have your own relationship with God. Yes, your wife has a relationship with God and you have a relationship with each other, but we need to be leaders in our homes. We need to be leaders in this church. Sometimes people wonder, you know, could, could women pray in public? I suppose they could. I don't see any reason they couldn't. I'll be frank, most women I talk to don't want to pray in public. If I were to call on them, they would be a little bit intimidated to pray in public. But the reason I call it on men to pray in public is because I want to train men to be leaders of this church. When a church is led by women, my observation has been, it's always because men abdicate their leadership. They sort of step aside and say, oh, you want to do that? Go ahead. And pretty soon you have women leading the church, which is not God's design. Because we men are lazy. We're lazy. That's just, we're selfish. Lazy. Let them do it. We, as men, need to be leaders in our homes, leaders in our church. And then we need some godly men who will be leaders in the community. Not all of us are called to positions of leadership in the community. But I'd like to see more godly men running for office, local office, school board. City Council, uh, the County Board of Supervisors. And then number five, um, and this priority is a little bit different than the others. The other four have to do with developing people. Number five sort of sums it up. I want to, as a pastor, I want to focus on people, not programs. Now, that's sort of the way God put me together. I'd much rather deal with people than with programs. But also I've seen where programs can sort of pro- programs can take over a church and the church becomes a lot about programs, even though the programs aren't meeting the needs of people. We don't want to do that at Elmira Baptist Church. We want to focus on people. So in light of that, let's look at this passage. Those five things are not all in this passage, just different things in this passage. But keep those in mind as we look at this passage. Verse 16 again, Simon Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says in verse 18, upon this rock, I will build my church. The rock is not Peter. The rock is the statement that Peter has made. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. As as a church, here's the first thing we need to do this year and every year is to stay on the right foundation, which is Jesus Christ. The purpose of Elmira Baptist Church all centers around Jesus Christ. We gather 
on Sundays to worship Jesus Christ, don't we? We, we go out to tell people about Jesus Christ. Now, yes, we'll invite people to the children's Christmas program, but the children's Christmas program will highlight the birth of Jesus Christ. Everything about our church should be focused on Jesus Christ. Now, it's funny because I, I get some unsolicited mail. Uh, people know that we have a church here and they send me things. And some of that unsolicited mail is how can I grow my church? You know, they'll send me, this is how your church is going to grow. And I'm surprised how many of them have nothing to do with Jesus Christ through the Bible. Nothing. Their, their, their plan, their program, their idea has no, nothing. It's just marketing. I want us to stay focused on Jesus Christ. When we focus on Jesus Christ, then the growth that occurs is about Jesus Christ. And people who are attracted to our church, people who come to our church and say, hey, that's where I want to worship, that's where I want to be a member, will be people who want more of Jesus Christ. If we make it about something else, yeah, we might attract other people, but they won't be here for the right reasons. I just this week again, reading articles uh, online, fella opened up a coffee shop in an abandoned Methodist church building. And praise the Lord. I mean, coffee shops are good. I like coffee shops. I go to coffee shops occasionally. I drink coffee. But that's not a church. And they were trying to say that somehow he's reaching the community through coffee. I beg to differ. The community has plenty of coffee shops. They need more of Jesus Christ. Now, again, we have coffee here. Frankly, it's not anything to be excited about, but we have coffee here. Warren likes it. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a, a military guy. Boy, those guys drink it any way they can get it, and I'm, I'm happy for him. But nobody is going to come to Elmira Baptist Church because of the coffee. And that doesn't bother me. I don't want him to come because of the coffee. I want him to come because of Jesus Christ. So let's be people who talk a lot about our Savior, Jesus. <laughs> let's be people who talk a lot about what God's doing in our lives. I had the joy of meeting with several of you this week. One of them sort of un unintended, but several of you, we, we had planned to get together and just talk about what God's doing in our lives. Let's do that. Let's make our discussions before the service and after the service about what God's doing in our lives. Not just about sports, not just about politics, not just about health. Let's make it about what Jesus Christ is doing. Let's focus as individuals on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And men, as you're leading in your homes, make sure the focus of your home is Jesus Christ. My dad did an excellent job of this around Christmas time in particular because as a kid, Christmas is coming. I, I mentioned it this morning. I was thinking, what am I getting for Christmas? What are the gifts under the tree about? And we never opened any gifts until we had read the Christmas story. My dad had taken the opportunity as the leader of the home, as the father there, to, to remind us that Christmas is primarily about the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's gifts, have fun. There's going to be good food. We get together, get together as a family, but it's primarily about Jesus Christ. Fathers, we need to do that. Make Jesus Christ not just the foundation of our church, but the foundation of the foundation of our lives and the foundation of our families. Now, I want you to notice a phrase in verse 18. Look at, with me at verse 18. And I say unto you, Jesus said unto Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mission number one, mission number one was to stay on the foundation, Jesus Christ. Notice that last clause there, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
What is the purpose of gates? Keep people out, right? It's a defensive measure to keep people out. The gates don't represent an attack. You don't attack with gates, do you? Does anyone carry gates around? Okay, let's grab those gates and charge the enemy. Nobody does that. So if the gates of hell are what will not prevail, what is the church called to do? To storm the gates of hell, to attack the gates of hell. The church is to be on the offensive. Now, I remind you about this, because I don't know about you, but I increasingly feel as if we are, that culture, the media, uh, definitely uh, the entertainment world, um, uh, even even uh, politics to some degree now, they're trying to marginalize Christians. And so what's the, what's the natural human tendency? Well, we'll just sort of hunker down, right? We'll, we'll be like that turtle. We'll just sort of pull ourselves back into the shell. We know what we believe. We'll do our best to teach it here, but really there's not room out there for dynamic Christian expression. I beg to differ. I think we're called to stay on the offensive because the gates of hell will not prevail. When we assault the gates of hell, hell doesn't win. Hell only wins when we step back and we say, well, not, not this year. In 2023, we want to stay on target. We want to keep attacking. We don't want to back down. And, and I don't mean by that we need to be violent. We're not going to go start a riot. We don't need to break windows. right? We don't need to overturn police cars. Not Nothing, nothing like that. In our speech and in the way we live, we need to be unashamedly Christian. And when people say, well, why do you do that? Well, the Bible says, oh, the Bible. What else are we going to give them for a reason? If it's not the Bible, what, what, what do we have? It's not going to be, you know, psychology, just my own thinking. Our problem in society today, if you talk with your coworkers or even just your neighbors, just, just the average Joe person, Jill person in the United States, you'll notice nobody really knows what the truth is. It's just everyone's opinions. And oftentimes, whoever yells the loudest, whoever is the most angry about it, we everyone else just sort of backs off and lets him say his piece. They have no answers. I asked a young man this week, why is it wrong to steal? He's not sure. He hasn't given me an answer yet. I said, okay, next week we'll get together. We'll, we'll, I said, think about it. Now, what's the answer? It's wrong to steal because God says it's wrong to steal. Now, we can go through a bunch of economics or psychology, and of course it would make sense to the rational mind, but let's start with the basic truth. God said, thou shalt not steal, so stealing is wrong. Don't be ashamed of that. What other reason would you have not to steal? Well, it's against the law. Well, what if the law made it legal? I brought up to this young man, what about Robin Hood? Robbing from the rich to give to the poor. Do you, know, do you want to know why there's so much violence in our society? It's because young people are not being taught today, thou shalt not kill. They're not being taught that violence is always wrong. So they're, you know, that when they're in a spot where they feel cornered, where they feel isolated, where they feel lonely, there's a tendency to lash out. And the answer is not to, let, to make them feel less lonely or less isolated. The answer is to teach them, thou shalt not kill. Don't be ashamed to bring scripture into a conversation. 
Again, they, your, your, your co-workers, your neighbors may think nothing of that, but what else are we going to bring in? So we're going to stay on the foundation, we're going to stay on target. Number three is in verse 23. Jesus says to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense to me. Here's the part I want you to notice. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. I'm going to change that word savorest there. I'm going to give you a, a near synonym. It's not really a synonym, but a near synonym so you understand. Jesus says to Peter, you don't value the things that be of God. You value the things that be of men. And why was that true? Because Jesus had just told Peter, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be tortured and crucified, killed. And Peter said, no, 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 not for you, Lord. You're going to be the conquering king. And Peter didn't understand the need at this time. He didn't understand the need for, for Jesus' sacrificial death in our place. What he did value was victory. What he didn't value was God's forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we need to stay focused. Stay focused on God's values and prioritize what God prioritizes. Let me give you some examples. There's a lot we could give, but we want to value what God values, not what people value. People value power, don't they? Power. Whether it's political power or work, a promotion that allows them to tell other people what to do. You, you probably, if you've known me any length of time and you've worked with me, you're probably aware I'm, I'm very hesitant to try to force people to do what I want them to do. Because I don't see myself, my position, as one where I get to tell you all what to do. I see my position as being an example to the people of God, an example to the flock, 1 Peter 5 tells us. But there are people that, you give them a promotion, it goes to their head. All of a sudden, they don't do any work. They just tell everyone else what to do. Now. People value power. What does God value? Humility. The meek shall inherit the earth, God tells us. Now, I've told you before, I don't see that happening. I don't see the meek inheriting the earth. But I know God's word is true. God values humility. Now, you might be tempted to say, well, of course God values humility. He doesn't have to be humble. But that's not true. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God knows what humility is. He experienced it. Jesus experienced it. Jesus is God. He's experienced it. And he calls us to humility, not power. Now, again, we need Christians to be leaders in the community. And if God calls you to run for office, God calls you to, God gives you a promotion at work, use that for God's glory. But don't think the problem is Christians don't have enough power. We don't need to focus on gaining power. We need to focus on our humility and value what God values. Let me give you another example, an easy one here at Christmas time. People value possessions. They like their stuff. Right? If you don't believe me, just take a key and scratch the side of your neighbor's car. <laughs> You're going to make him very angry. Don't do that. That's wrong. It's evil because it's his property, not yours. If you want to scratch your own car, go ahead. But don't scratch your neighbor's car. But we value possessions. When our children break that prized bowl that was a gift from grandma, 
You know what our temptation is, is to be angry because the bowl is broken. But what we need to do is recognize what we need to focus on is our children's careless handling of something that was truly valuable to something to someone else. Work on our children's character rather than just be angry because they broke something we really didn't value. Value people because God values people. Don't value possessions. We need to stay focused. We need to stay focused on what is valuable to God. Now, verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That phrase, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We have a nice spiritual word that we sum up that whole concept with. What's that nice spiritual word? Discipleship. Talk about discipleship. You know what discipleship requires? And this what this verse requires? It requires commitment. Not commitment for a day or for a week. If you're going to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus, it isn't just for a little bit of time. Not for a couple weeks, a month. How many folks, and I'm speaking on a Sunday night, so this is a smaller crowd than we'd have on a Sunday morning. How many people have we seen come, even in the last, even since COVID, right? Since maybe last year, 18 months, we've seen people come for a month or maybe two months or maybe three months, but then something comes up. Maybe it's a job. Uh, maybe they, I don't know, maybe they just, and they're, they're not here anymore. Where are they? And you all are good. You love people. So you reach out to them and maybe you don't hear anything. Or maybe you hear back, hey, I'm busy right now. Or, hey, you know, I'll be back after and they give some condition. And then, of course, that condition passes and, and they're still not back. I'm not talking about people who've become sick or they're, they're, they're weak in body and they can't be with us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who could be here, who could have been here this morning, but they weren't because they lacked commitment to Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be successful as a church in 2023, it'll be because we stay committed to Jesus Christ as individuals. And I'm calling you, I'm calling myself to more commitment in 2023. Now, when I say commitment, don't worry, I'm not thinking, you know, we all need to do more work necessarily. I am talking about our attitude towards the things of God. Are we committed to be disciples? Are we committed to follow, to, to take up our cross and deny ourselves and to follow him? Because a church is about people it's not about programs. And we need to stay committed, both as individuals and we need to call other we need to call other Christians to commitment. Many churches today focus on programs that will attract people so they'll come join them. And we're not going to be focused on programs. What we're going to be focused on focused on is commitment. And you know what you're going to say to me, but preacher, all we're going to do is get committed Christians. Yes, you're right. We're going to want, we want committed Christians. If your friend comes and says, you know, I love your church, but you guys, you guys are hardcore Christians. Yeah, we're all called to that, aren't we? Come join us. Boy, you guys are like Christian Marines. You just, boy, you meet Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Yeah, great, come join us. What's more important? So stay 
committed. Stay on target. Stay focused. Stay on the foundation. Here's number five. And it's in verse 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Notice the next two words. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. And then. What is this time in verse 27 that Jesus is teaching his disciples about? Is that in the future or is that event in the past? It's in the future. We don't know when it will be, but it refers to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Not not. I, I, this, this verse in my mind does not fit the, the rapture as much as it fits the second coming. He comes back to earth with his holy angels, and guess what? He rewards people. So you know what that means? That means that the things you're doing for Jesus Christ right now may go unrewarded or not completely rewarded. <coughs> now, that's really, huge, really hard for humans. That's really hard for humans because we want to see results now. We want to plant something in the pot, and within a few weeks, we want to see some growth there. Right? We want to take our car to the mechanic and get it fixed today, or maybe a week from now. And then we want it to run for us. We're not very patient. And here's my encouragement to you. We need to recognize that our rewards come later. Now, think about this. Would you rather have your rewards today in which case they're going to be burned up when the, the world gets burned up and there's a new heaven and a new earth? Or would you rather have your rewards in that new heaven and that new earth that's never going to pass away? Yes, thank you. Somebody's paying attention. I, I want to bank as many rewards as I can in the future where I can enjoy them forever. Just uh, this week again, listening to people talk, one guy said, you know, you Christians, you guys think you're going to be rewarded in the future. What if you're wrong? I want my rewards now. This is not a Christian man. I want my rewards now. And I was not part of the conversation, but I thought to myself, how sad. To want your rewards now when there's going to be a limit to how long you can enjoy them. Rather than trusting God that there will be rewards in the future when you can enjoy them forever. We are banking on eternity. We're banking on a God who is just, a God who is faithful, a God who gives good gifts. I don't want my rewards now. Now, here's the neat thing. When we serve God, we do get rewards now. And we get better rewards in the future. We get both. But understand, even if you serve God and you don't get rewarded now, it says right here, the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Amen. Now, there's a famous baseball example. Do you realize that July 1st in New York City, you'll appreciate this one, again. in New York City, July 1st is called Bobby Bonilla Day. Does anyone even remember Bobby Bonilla? He has not played baseball for 22 years. And last July 1st, the New York Mets gave him $1.2 million on July 1st. And next year, they will give Bobby Bonilla $1.2 million. And they will continue to do this every year on July 1st until July 1st, 2035. 2035. 
You mean for the next 13 years, all he has to do is live to July 1st and they give him $1.2 million. He doesn't play baseball. He doesn't coach. He's not working in the office. You say, what in the world? Well, back in the year 2000, he was coming toward the end of his career. And frankly, he was not a very good player. But the Mets had signed him to this contract where they were going to pay him $5.9 million in the year 2000. And they really, they realized that was a terrible deal. They'd already signed him. They realized it was a terrible deal. And they said to Bobby, actually his agent suggested, his agent said, you know what? I tell you what, don't pay Bobby Bonilla this year. Take that $5.9 million and you don't even have to make the first payment until 2014. All we're asking, the agent said, all Bobby Bonilla and I are asking is if you'll give him 8% interest on that money. <laughs> and pay it out from 2014 until you pay it off. And they were like, sure. And sure enough, they took that $5.9 million. They put $5.75 million towards a pitcher named Mike Hampton, and the Mets made the playoffs in 2000. But today, they're paying for it. And Bobby Bonilla lives in Miami, and every year, he collects $1.2 million. Now, the only point here is, I think Bobby Bonilla made the right decision, don't you? <laughs> you want to pay me 8% interest and push it off for 14 years? Go right ahead. He'd already made several million dollars by that point in his baseball career. He could live off that. And when 2014 came, he got that first paycheck. And he'll continue to get a paycheck for 21 years. $1.2 million. And you wonder why the Mets never do very well. <laughs> Here's my point. God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. I don't want my rewards now. Now, I'm getting some of it. Praise the Lord. God's good. I want my rewards in the future. I want my rewards when Jesus comes again and he rewards every man according to his work. So I'm going to be patient. I'm going to play the long game. There'll be times I, I work really hard to be a witness to somebody and they just never seem to respond. And I, I don't know why not. There'll be other Christians who come into our church and I'm going to get, pour hours and hours into trying to help them and at some point they're just going to walk away. I don't know why. Maybe they don't like me. I, I don't know that they'll just walk away. And as a pastor, it's so easy to become cynical and say, you know what? I'm never helping someone like that again. <laughs> but listen, I'm banking my rewards for the future. That's right. I have no idea what that person might do. Just because they didn't respond when they were here? Who knows? Some of you are products of literally years of Christians investing in you, and you didn't respond right away, but you've got it now. And I, as a pastor, am certainly glad somebody kept investing in you. I'm, I'm going to do that for the next generation. Don't become discouraged if your kids or your grandkids, the people around you, they're not going exactly the direction you want them to go. Keep praying for them. Keep giving them truth. But don't become discouraged because you have no idea what is going to happen in their lives. Don't become discouraged if you pour into a ministry and there seems to be no fruit. Remember that your reward, your reward is waiting in the future. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be reminded about what's important for 2023. And I thank you that you're such a good God that you bless us now. You give us good things now. Even when we don't serve you, you give us good gifts. And when we serve you, we get more good things. We get the blessing of knowing we're working side by side with our fellow Christians, that we're working in 
in promoting your work in this world. We get the blessing of seeing some people's lives change dramatically for your honor and glory. And in the future, Lord, we look forward to that time when we get more rewards. Not so we can be proud of ourselves or be competitive and beat someone else, but so we can take those crowns and cast them back at Jesus' feet. Keep us committed. Keep us focused. Keep us on target. Keep us on the foundation, Jesus Christ. Help my brothers, the men of Elmira Baptist Church, help us to be the leaders we ought to be in our homes because we're daily walking with you. The leaders we ought to be in this church because we are committed to serving you through our church. And then raise up leaders for Vacaville, for Solano County, Lord, even for California out of these men. Lord, thank you for our wives and our daughters and our sisters in Christ who help us, who come alongside us and they're that help that's appropriate for us. We are indebted to you. May we treasure our sisters in Christ. And may they, may they see their part in furthering your kingdom, not as second-class Christians, having a role that's different than the men. Help us, Father, with these things. It's not easy. Father, help us when the culture tries to squeeze us into its mold, to be on the offensive, Say, no, no, I'm not ashamed to claim the name of Christ. I'm not ashamed to talk about God's word. Not ashamed to stand on that truth. Help us, Father. We love you. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.